Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to thank you for your graciousness and uh, your, your generosity to our ministry and for faithfully tuning in every week and, and, uh, and, and listening to what we have to say. We really are trying not to, or we really don't have it in our spirit to fight anybody else and what they believe about the book of Revelation. But it's been a lifelong quest to me to understand some of these things. And I think if you've followed our line of thinking, you've certainly seen uh, how this makes a whole lot of sense. To me, it's incredibly good news that a lot of the catastrophes that we believe, a lot of people believe in the book of Revelation are yet in our future, are truly not in our future. They were fulfilled in the first century, and that's the only place they really fit when you read the context of this and you uh, see uh, what's actually going on. We're coming to the conclusion of this series on the book of Revelation. We're going to go to chapter uh, number 22 uh, today. Let me say very quickly that if you missed any of these programs, you can go back to our YouTube page and type in that you might have life and you will find our channel. Subscribe to the channel, by the way, and sign in and like it because the more people view it, the more they kind of... Uh, like it for YouTube, and I think it's, you also can share them on your Facebook page. We encourage you to do that. With, uh, if you think that it's a blessing, it's been a blessing to you, share it with your friends. Tell them about us and get them to watch us. We're going back to Revelation 22. Again, also, let me also say this as well while you're turning there. We also have a, uh, a podcast that you can go to on uh, iTunes. You can get it, and uh, it, you can sign up for our podcast to be delivered straight to your smart device. We are also going to release the audio portions of this series we've taught very soon. This is as we come to the conclusion of this and we get all the audio together, you will be able to order the full volume of this teaching. And I promise you it is a college course that you'll be able to get for. We're going to try to make it as reasonable as we can price-wise, and you'll be able to get the whole series on the book of Revelation. And I think you owe it to yourself to look, at least consider, there may be another view to this book. Uh, chapter 22, we're getting into the Word this morning. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as a crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb, and in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there, and they need no light of the candle, nor the sun, light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And He said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent His angel to show unto His servants, note this, the things which must shortly be done. Verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things, heard them. When I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. He saith unto me, Do not do it, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And then let me just reiterate this, because I've already done, I think, four segments on the first few verses of this. But over and over again, he begins to reiterate the eminency statements. Behold, I come quickly. The time is at hand. These things are about to shortly come to pass. I mean, he says that. This is the last chapter of this book of Revelation. He starts out the book of Revelation by saying, Behold, I come quickly. And they which pierced me 
will look upon me. And so as he begins to release these things, as he begins to share these things, uh, he, he begins to declare to them, this stuff is imminent, it is relevant. In other words, this river of life is available to you right now. It was given in the first century and continues to flow. This old creation was destroyed and now a new creation is coming on the scene. This is the great transition between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant because now we are on the heels of chapter 19 and 20 of the book of Revelation where the great city, the harlot, has been destroyed, the temple has been destroyed, and now God has given birth to a new temple, a new tabernacle, a new Jerusalem, a new bride. They are now on the scene. That's not something that's futuristic in the sense it has ongoing effects, but it was inaugurated and began clear back in the first century, this city was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ being chief cornerstone and the apostles said in Ephesians that we, brethren, are built together as a holy habitation of God and we as the church, the community of faith, are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being chief cornerstone. He told John, don't seal up the words of your prophecy because the time is at hand. He told Daniel, seal your prophecy up because your prophecy is for the distant future. For Daniel, it was 600 years in the future. That's what the Spirit thinks was a long time, was 600 years in the future. Daniel's prophecy came to pass during the same period of time as Revelation, and then he tells them in Revelation, don't seal this one up because the time was at hand. And then he comes to this verse that we dealt with last week, and we, get, we ran out of time, and I want to come back and kind of reiterate a few things that I was really trying to jam in the last one. But it says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his works. Shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter into the great gates. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, whosoever loves and makes a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that's a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him drink of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that hears the words, of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Even so come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now let me tell you again that uh, when I begin to look at this part, see what we need to understand is, once again, the transition here is in the first part of this, uh, in the first part of this 22nd chapter, he's saying there's no more curse. The Lord God Almighty are the Lamb, they're the light, there's a river, there's a flow of water of life that you can have freely. That was God giving birth, if you will, to the restoration of the finished work and putting us back into the garden that Adam had lost. I'm not going to go back into uh, the details of that, because I taught that already about two programs ago. But when he starts to say, let him that's filthy be filthy still, let him that's unjust, let him be unjust still, uh, I begin to see what he's talking about is it is now the closing days. One era is ending, another one is now inaugurated. And so when he said, let him that's filthy be filthy still, it is like him saying the door is now closed, 
The wedding feast has been furnished. Outside are, outside are people who do not have the right garment on. Outside are uh, dogs and whoremongers and whosoever loves and makes a lie. I put somewhere in my notes. Let me see if I can find it uh, real quick. I, said, I put this in my notes. I said, those that are excluded from the city of God are characterized as dogs. Watch this. It was a term that was the Jews used to characterize the Gentiles. But Paul changes, which Paul applied to the Judaizers in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2, when he says, beware of dogs, beware of the concision, beware of the cutting group, beware of the circumcising group. So Paul switches the game and says, listen, who you all thought was going to be on the outside are now on the inside. And who you thought was going to be on the inside is now on the outside, because on the outside are dogs. Paul tells you who these dogs are in Philippians 3, 3 2, beware of dogs. Beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And those are powerful things. He said, for outsider sorcerers and, and whosoever loves and makes a lie, uh, such behavior effectively bars one's entrance into the kingdom of God and is also declared by Paul that they which do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not just one of these days going to heaven, it's inheriting the present reality of the kingdom in our life, that these behaviors are the things that negate that kind of a behavior. And over and over again, he begins to say to them, for instance, to show you that he, let him that's filthy be filthy still, he says, uh, uh, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. See, under the old covenant, he's dealing with them based on their works. And he's not found their works to be perfect. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here that will not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Jesus said that in Matthew 16, verse 27 and 28, to his contemporaries alive in the first century. So it was about to be lights out for the apostates, and God was bringing those who had received this gracious gift of the water of life and was offering it to whosoever will. He goes on to say, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of His Father with His angels. Then He shall reward every man according to His works. That's Matthew 24, verse 43, I believe it is. No, I'm sorry, that's Matthew 16, verse number 27. Matthew 24, verse 43 says, For now, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known and would watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken into. Jesus then says in Matthew 24, verse 34, This generation will not pass to all these things, are fulfilled. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. Again, he's telling them in chapter, I believe, 1 of this book, he said, You who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God. He said, For it is a righteous thing with God to recompense trouble to them that trouble you. It was the judgment that came upon the persecutors of the church in the first century. And he said, When you, you know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief, in the night. This day of the Lord was this day of coming judgment. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. And like I said in the last segment, those that were in Jerusalem, that when they saw the first sign of this coming in judgment, which was when you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, they fled Jerusalem because they knew the hour was imminent, and they fled to Pella, 
and to the wilderness, and not a believer was destroyed of those who believed the words of Jesus. 2 Peter 3.10 said, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, and the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with a fervent heat in the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And I showed you before how that that was speaking of the passing away of the old heaven and the earth was a passing away of the old covenant, the old temple, because their temple was their heaven and their land was the earth, and the temple was Bethel. It was the gate of heaven. It was to them the universal gate of heaven, but it was destroyed, and now there's a new temple on the sea, and there's a new heaven, a new earth, a new creation, a new bride. The old creation has passed away. There's no more curse to those that are in that. Now, I want to come back and, and just show you again, because I wanted to come back to Zechariah a little bit and uh, just show you some things. I just want to show you again context. Context is everything. In Zechariah, uh, the 11th chapter, I believe it is, it starts out by, and there's many things that could be said here, but it starts out in the 11th chapter, and verse number 12, and it says, And I said unto them, this is Zechariah 11, verse 12, I said unto them, If you think good, give me my price, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, Cast it under the potter, a goodly price that I was prized at of them. And I took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. And then I cut asunder mine other staff, even bands, that I might break through the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. He begins to prophesy to them uh, that Isaiah begins to prophesy stuff that this ought to catch your attention, folks. Because we know that what Zechariah was prophesying was not for something that was clear out in our future somewhere. He was prophesying what would happen when Judas betrayed Jesus and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. They weighed out his price at 30 pieces of silver, and with it they cast it to the potter. And you know the story. Jesus bought the potter's field with the price of his blood. It was the field to bury strangers in. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah said the purpose and the reason he bought that field was so that he could take the vessels that were broken and make them over again. Now, uh, I, and then you go into Zechariah, the 12th chapter, and again, it begins to uh, set the stage again of a judgment that was coming that I submit to you is not somewhere out in your distant future, but something that was to occur during this same era in time when Jesus, first of all, was sold for 30 pieces of silver, he was crucified, and he told them when they were weeping, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves. Because the days are coming when you're going to weep, and you're going to wail, and you're going to gnash your teeth, and you're going to weep for yourselves, O Jerusalem, because you are about to kill the son of the owner of the vineyard. Now, Zechariah 12 says, The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretched forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling. And all the people round about, when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every house with astonishment, his rider with madness, and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah, and will smite every horse 
of the people with blindness, and the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, The inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength, and the Lord of hosts their God. And that day will I make the governors of Judah like a hearth of fire among the wood, and like a torch of fire and a sheep, and they shall devour all the people round about on the right hand and on the left, and Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. The Lord also shall save the tents of Judah first, that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem do not magnify themselves against Judah. And that day shall the defendant of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. Watch this. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Exact quote from Revelation 1. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Jesus says that to them when he's walking through Jerusalem. He tells them, weep for yourselves. But when you come over into Revelation chapter number 1, he said, they which pierce me will look upon me, and then will all the tribes of the earth mourn. That is a quote from Zechariah chapter 12, verse number 10, when he said, I will pour up on the house of David, upon the house of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. I believe that he's talking about this new covenant coming forth, this new Jerusalem coming forth, this greater son of David, sitting on the throne of David in fulfillment of the Davidic covenant and the Davidic promise that Jesus is now king and he's ruling in the new Jerusalem, but this old one is being passed off the scene and they're going to weep and mourn when they see him because the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, he said, will be the sign of this uh, city encompassed with the clouds of judgment and the clouds of these are these armies of the Romans. When you see Jerusalem encompassed with armies, he said, that will be the sign of his coming, his coming on them as a thief, his coming on them in judgment, his coming in clouds. And I showed you all through the Old Testament over and over that his cloud comings was not an unusual thing in the mind of the Jewish believer. Every time God came in judgment upon some nation, whether it was Babylon, Edom, Jerusalem, or whatever, He always came in clouds. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. It's a day of darkness, a day of gloominess, a day of clouds. Psalm 18 talks about God made the wind His chariot. He came in the thick cloud. He came in the darkness. God's judgment was coming upon them, and those which were filthy were filthy still. Those which pierced Him were about to mourn because the judgment has now come and is imminent. And those who are holy, let them be holy still, that they may have right to the tree of life. Blessed are they that keep His commandments, that they might have uh, access to the tree of life. I'll just quote two things because I want you to say that these commandments that He told them to keep are not the Ten Commandments. These commandments that He told them to keep in the New Covenant, there are two commandments in the New Covenant. The first one is John 13, verse 34, where He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. So the command of the Lord in the new covenant is that you love one another. And love fulfills the rest of the law. First uh, uh, John chapter 3, verse 23, he says, And this commandment, that you should believe on the name of His Son Jesus, and love one another as He gave us commandments. So two commandments, believe on Him, 
and the name of His Son Jesus, and to love one another. That's the ones who have right to access into the city and have access to the tree of life and to the city of God, to the river of the living God, and to this water of life that flows freely. And He gives invitation to everybody to that place at the end of this book. He says, In that day there shall be a great morning, Zechariah again, in Jerusalem as the morning of Hadad-Rimmon in the valley of Megiddo. And they shall mourn every family every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, and their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart. And he lists all of that. And, uh, and uh, let me skip on over then to chapter uh, 13. It says, In that day there shall be a fountain opened in the house of David to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. This verse, compare it with Revelation 21. There's a fountain that's open, a river that flows from a slain lamb. It's coming from the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness. It's the new covenant offering of this river of life. It shall come to pass on that day, that saith the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols out of the land. There shall be no more remember, and I will cause the prophets of the unclean spirit to pass out of the land. And it shall come to pass that when any shall, prophesy, any yet shall yet prophesy that his father's mother that begat him shall say unto him, Thou shalt not live, for thou speakest lies in the name of the Lord, and his father and his mother that begat him shall thrust him through when he prophesieth. You can go back and read the writings of Josephus that these false prophets that kept on lying to them and getting them to believe a lie that help was coming, they turned on them and began to slay all of these false prophets. And it shall come to pass that day the prophet shall be ashamed every one of his vision, and when he had prophesied, neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive. But he shall say, I am no prophet, I am an husbandman, for man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. And one shall say, this is verse number 6, saying to him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. They which pierced him. Are, I mean, this, this, these prophecies, I hope you can see these prophecies, are not for some distant future like many have hung them out. This is the stuff that happened in the first century in the latter part of 66 to 70 A.D. in the destruction when he says again here in verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man and his fellow saith the Lord of hosts. And he talks about the smutting of the land and bringing fire upon them and destroying the people. And then he comes into chapter 14 of Zechariah. said, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoils shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I'll gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished. And half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as He fought in the day of battle. And His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. There shall be a very great valley, and a half of the mountain shall be removed toward the south, or toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, you shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in the day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. Again, if you see the wording of Revelation 21, there's no need of a candle, for the Lord God our Almighty and the Lamb are the light thereof. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that evening time. It shall be light. It's a day when there is no darkness. He's talking about these catastrophes are coming upon the apostates, but the blessings are coming upon the, the believers. It is the great and terrible day of the Lord. It is to those who are filthy, let them be filthy still. To those that are holy, let them be holy still. God is now delivering 
the promise, and they are fleeing. I mean, even some of the things that are written here where he talks about, you know, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives. That's not something that's going to happen. That's something that's already happened, and it shall come to pass. Uh, let me see. There's a verse here that I was looking for. Uh, uh, that says, The Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. I, I, I read even in the writings of Josephus, who said, In the final days of the siege of Jerusalem, there was literally and physically that appeared in the clouds over uh, the temple, there was literally the appearance of horses and chariots and the sound of, of swords and spears as they moved about over top of this. It was literally the armies of heaven following him as he's bringing a judgment upon this apostate people. And a voice came from the most holy place that said, We are departing hence. God left that system, stepped out of it. Their house was left to the desolate. The power of the holy people was finally broken. He goes on to say to them that it shall be one day which shall be known unto the Lord, but it shall come to pass that the evening time it shall be light and in the day and in that day that the living water shall go out of Jerusalem. I mean, this is, listen, folks, Revelation 22 again is almost verbatim some of this stuff. And living waters shall go out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea in summer and winter shall it be. If this river is spiritual, maybe the splitting of this mountain is not some physical, literal split. Maybe it's the division between the Old Covenant and New Covenant lines that are being fully made as Jesus even gave His first public message on the Mount of Olives when he preached the great message or the Beatitudes when he was introducing the gospel of the kingdom. His feet have already touched the Mount of Olives. His hands and his feet have already been pierced. He's already been wounded in the house of his friends. They which pierced him have already looked upon him. And all of this stuff you see that it seems to me that a lot of people are prophesying for somewhere out in the distant future is not coming in the distant future. It is talking about the plague that would come, and you can see it on down through chapter 15, the plague that has come was coming upon apostate Israel. Let him that's filthy be filthy still. Let him that's holy be holy still. And uh, he was closing the door. Uh, the, the, the banquet is now fi fi filled. The wedding is complete. Outside are dogs and whoremongers, but it's not who you think that's on the outside. It's the adulterers of the apostates who have committed adultery with the nations of the earth. It is the whoremongers who've laid with other gods in idolatry that Zacharias said was dissolved. It is the dogs of the concision that Paul said to beware of. That's what's outside because they loved the lie and did not come in. But blessed and holy is he that has right to enter into the city where he got to have access to the water and to the city. We're out of time. Thank you again for joining us. Take a moment to write that, uh, to that uh, address that's on the screen. If you can, include a, a gift that will help us to keep the gospel going. You can call the number on the screen, give via credit card, or you can give via debit card. Somebody will be standing by to take your call. We deeply and gratefully appreciate your help. It is what helps us take the gospel of the kingdom around the globe. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you. God bless you. Till next week. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.